Paul, uh, Paul was told uh, when the Lord met him, he said, Rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things uh, which you have seen and of the things which I will reveal to you. <clears throat> I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom uh, it, I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness. Walking around with their eyes closed. They're, that, they're in that kind of darkness. And from the power of Satan to God. In other versions it says from the dominion of Satan. Satan has dominion over the lives of people that are here. Um, you, live, <laughs> you live virtually in the dominion of Satan right here in the neighborhood in which you live. I mean, everybody talks about how, uh, how much of a pit uh, San Francisco is. Now, of course, we're from Texas and from Arizona, so California, period, is a pit. But <laughs> we're not prejudiced, by the way. No. But there's a point is, is that they're to deliver them from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to the forgiveness of sins. Uh, so there is a solution to their life, to the forgiveness of their sins, and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Uh, so God doesn't tell you the problem and just leave you there. He's always got an answer for that problem, usually within the same verse. And so uh, as you think about it, Look at your neighbors, the people that are around, the person that serves you where you are. How lost are they? And then, Lord, how saved am I? Well, we just sang a bunch of songs about this because we're saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's about as far away from this world we've just been talking about as you can get. And so he says, we have an opportunity to be his servants to share that good news with these people. Now, how many times have you, uh, have you shared the good news with anybody uh, in the last week? The thing I love about coming to uh, be with uh, Steve and Ambika is that they're out there. They're out there talking to people all the time. And uh, we, we share all these stories <laughs> between us. And uh, it's really fun to uh, it's fun to talk, not just not talk about people, but we're talk, that we've been talking to people that God's put in our path. And he's put those people there for a purpose. Even, even if a policeman stops you, you know, uh, you're there as uh, one who can say, you're right, officer, I was wrong, I was going too fast, or I ran through the light, or whatever it was. Uh, and, uh, but I know that I know that it's wrong, not because just the laws of California, but because uh, God has said, I'm to obey the laws of the land. And thank you for helping me remember to do that at $350. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Lord, I needed that. Uh, but it's uh, sometimes uh, we need that kind of rebuke uh, and correction in our life uh, to, to do it. It's uh, so my, my question is, do I love God enough that I, uh, and, uh, uh, that I keep his word? You know, if uh, he says that if uh, the one who loves me will keep my word. Uh, and uh, if I'm out, unfortunately I've got some guys that uh, say they go to church and they're believers, uh, 
but their language doesn't show it. Now, I have to make a confession here is that at one time I had such bad profanity that my beer drinking fighting buddies told me to go over there. We're sick of listening to you. <laughs> so that's how bad it was. Uh, and so sometimes there are people who say that they're uh, lovers of God, but there's nothing changed in their life. And one of them says, oh, I don't use it that much. I don't cuss that much. Uh, but then when you read the scripture, it says, don't any, let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. So how important is the word of God to my knowledge of God to where I'll keep that commandment of God to be his servant and to do what he asked me to do? You're not perfect all the time. You know, I might get there close, but let me just... <laughs> He's going to zap me through the ceiling here. Um, and so I want to believe that this word is true for everything that I need and everything that you need to be his servant and to do what he asks you to do. Uh, yet 2 Timothy 3.16 said it was God-breathed. So, and Second uh, Peter says it was given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This isn't something that just casually somebody sat down and started working out on a word processor. It's true. And Jesus in his uh, prayer in John 17 said, sanctify them in the truth. In other words, set, set these people apart for my service or in your service in the truth. Your word is truth. Well, when you go back to John 1, who is that word? That's Jesus. And so he is the word. Uh, it's all connected. And so if I love God, I'll keep his word and I'll do what pleases him. So uh, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Uh, it's not something that uh, just happened. He authored that. Uh, he wrote it. It's a, and he's got his inscription right on your life. Uh, it's a lifestyle. There's a lifestyle of being a disciple and, uh, and making disciples. Uh, the second point would be a love for believers. This might be the hardest thing that we do. You know, love for God is one thing. I could tell you, boy, I love God, you know, and I'm doing real good, and I'll have a bragging about certain things like that. But then how often do you hear people in the street say, my, how those Christians love one another? Bunch of hypocrites. You know, that, I'm not going to that church. It's all hypocrites in that church. Uh, I think we ought to have, you know, they used to have a deal where if somebody was caught in adultery, they had made them wear a red A on their uh, clothing and somewhere. I think we ought to have a big H uh, T-shirt. <laughs> and uh, I know I'd get the first one. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, my love for each one of you and people who are of God's family is not optional. Uh, John 13, 34, and 35. We're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Your neighbor is yourself. And that by this, all men will know that we're his disciples if we have love for one another. That isn't a mushy kind of love where I don't say anything to you that might uh, upset you. I need to sometimes tell you the truth and say, uh, I, I use a a proverb 
27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes a friend is the only person who will tell you that you have bad breath or your zipper open. And those are, those are things that, I didn't want you to tell me that, you know, I mean, I'm embarrassed, you know. Uh, I used to carry, and I don't do it that much anymore, I used to carry a roll of breath mints around because I was forever thinking my kids would say, Dad, you got dragon breath. You've been drinking coffee or eating cheese. And so I would, I would have those breath mints with me to, uh, to knock that down. Well, sure enough, I'd be around somebody else, and we'd be talking, and I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> garlic. We have some Italian restaurants, and, uh, and a lot of these baseball players I used to work with were Italians, and boy, they'd come back from those restaurants with garlic, uh, you know, just reeking out like this. And uh, so we laughed about the fact that you got garlic breath, buddy. <laughs> Here, don't take just one or two, take the whole roll. <laughs> uh, but we love one another to tell them the truth. We don't say uh, to somebody, oh, you're doing good. You know, pat them on the back and let them go off and embarrass themselves to the rest of the world. We build somebody up uh, so that they, not only in the faith, but also in life, so that they can have that testimony that they need to have. Uh, so it's a love for believers. And uh, the circumstances don't change my commitment to love you. Circumstances don't change God's commitment to love you. Thank goodness, you know, that he, uh, he never changes. And so I want to be the same way in my relationship with other people. Is it easy to love you guys? No. Uh, you know, I, I like it coming this way. I'm not sure I always want to give it out that way. Uh, but, <clears throat> but my commitment to love you and to be a, uh, a, someone in, in the, you might say, in the uh, oxbow with you, uh, pulling, the, pulling the load, let's do it. I'm very impressed with this little church right here at how many people are pulling the load and working together and have a great attitude about it. It's, uh, we've been here several times, and I told Cynthia as we came, I said, I'm very impressed with how much support Steve and Ambika have by all of you, just in the love for you. Uh, you have for them as well as for your willingness to serve in the body of Christ. So it's, it says that you love one another when you're willing to put yourself out uh, in that way. Uh, I just, uh, my friend Don that died last week, uh, I, uh, uh, I talked to him when he was being interviewed for the, uh, to be the pastor of the chapel on the campus at LSU. And I said, well, Don, I didn't know anything about church uh, pastors and things like this. I said, what kind of contract did you give you? <laughs> I thought it was a contract, you know. He said, a lifetime contract. He said, I can't get rid of them and they can't get rid of me. We're just going to have to sit in there and slug it out and get it done. And he said, sometimes it's been a little feisty. <laughs> but he said, we made a commitment to what love one another. And he said, it's worked out. He was there for 35 years as the pastor of that ch uh, chapel. And do you realize that 60% of the missionaries who go on the field 
come home because of interpersonal relationships. That's not good. What does that say to the people where they're working? Is that they, uh, they've got a group of people over there and they can't even get along? Uh, it says perhaps we haven't trained them right and uh, they're not ready to, they weren't ready to have gone over there. You get, if you can't get along with people over here, you sure can't get along with people when you're in a situation like uh, back in the bush. We were, we had the opportunity a few years ago to go to Mongolia and we uh, slept for a little over two weeks on the floor, on the ground, literally on the ground or on the linoleum of the gears that they had, you know, those uh, and yurts or gears, uh, depending on whether it's Russian or Mongolian speak. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just been a few years ago. That doesn't help old bones at all. <laughs> I tell you, it's, uh, it really had took a little while. And, and we, we got uh, two baths in that time. Um, thank goodness we smelled like the horses, so uh, didn't, have, didn't have to worry. They all thought we were all the same. Uh, the other thing that uh, is our commitment to love one another is being able to forgive. Uh, I know uh, a very famous woman's author that says in her book that uh, forgiveness frees the forgiver. I, I learned that from Cynthia. <laughs> uh, give credit where credit's due. But it's, uh, uh, it's really true. It frees you when you forgive somebody for offending you. And Scripture says if you know that anyone has anything against you, leave your offering at the altar and go and be reconciled. And that sometimes can happen in just real quickly, but sometimes it may take, if it's your mate, and I forgot Cynthia at one time, and uh, I had to take two hours of tea and tears, I said, to be reconciled. <laughs> I literally did. I drove past the restaurant where she was, and I was supposed to pick her up and went on to uh, the base, the military base chapel. And she said, you can forget my birthday, you can forget our anniversary, but she said, don't forget me again. <laughs> so, but it's, uh, you learn from some of those things, and it was uh, an embarrassing time. Uh, but if you don't forgive someone, and you're, uh, you've left a church and you're mad or whatever else, and you don't forgive them and, and be reconciled with, uh, to God and with them, don't take communion. Now I just, uh, that's my own, that's not in the scripture, but it, it says you're not to partake at the altar until you've been reconciled uh, to your brother and sister. So uh, that's just my way of expressing it. But Paul said, I always take great pains to have a clear conscience before God and man. And every once in a while, it takes great pains to have a, you know, it's a pain. Lord, you mean I've got to go talk to this person and ask them to forgive me? Yeah, I've suggested that to you about 10 times in the last month. Uh, really, Lord? <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? He keeps reminding you. So don't, don't just stay in that point of reminder uh, when the Holy Spirit brings it to mind that you have need to do the, those things do it and get it done uh, you like I said forgiveness frees the forgiver you'll be free 
and that other person will be uh, much more free. There's a lot of good ways to do that. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it reestablishes fellowship uh, one with another. And uh, as a friend said, what we need is a little spiritual CPR. Let revival begin with me. Uh, that's, we don't have anything to revive if we don't have anything to be there already. So let the Holy Spirit revive what's in your life and uh, bring it uh, <clears throat> into the life of others. Uh, so we have a love for God. That's our first priority. That's our foundation of where we are. And we have a love for the believers right here. And then we can go out to the rest of the world and, and be uh, the person God wants us to be to the rest. That's the Great Commission. Uh, it's, not about, it's not about me, it's about him. He, Jesus Christ uh, was the creator of the world. It's his creation. That person out here who is doing crazy things was part of his creation. And he is the one who says uh, that he'll say his, his responsibility is to save that person. Our responsibility is to go and tell him the gospel, the good news. I don't have to tell him what a bad sinner he is. You know, you're just, you're just so bad I can't even talk to you. Don't even want to be around you. In fact, you smell bad. And, uh, uh, but uh, God demonstrates his love for us in Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't because we were good guys that Christ died for us. It was because we were sinners. Uh, and see, he asked us to die to ourself to, uh, to present the good news of Jesus Christ to sinners. Uh, Steve and I have had some good time talking about different things that we've encountered in ministry over out here on the street and uh, in the church and things. And it's... Uh, it's been fun to uh, see what God does in our life uh, in pushing us out, you might say, pushing the envelope out to where we're not as comfortable, but here we are in a situation where God can work in our life and in the life of the people around. Uh, there's a book uh, in terms of world missions that's very helpful, and it's called uh, When Helping Hurts. And so... When you're trying to help somebody, how's it hurting them? And uh, Brian Fickert, F-I-K-K-E-R-T, if you want to look it up, uh, is real good at presenting what we've been doing wrong in missions. Uh, we've been on two mission trips, and that was required reading on both of them. Uh, and it's real good. It's, uh, he's teaching us that we need to do more of giving people a hand up rather than a hand out. Uh, I know it's awfully easy for me to have compassion on somebody I find down here at the street corner uh, with a sign, you know, da 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 do this. I roll down the window, I hand him some money, hand him a, a gift card to McDonald's or something like this, and then just go on down the car uh, street. Uh, when it's possible, I've even picked him up and taken him down to the gospel rescue mission. And, you know, and I give money to them because they're giving these people a hand up and a place to live and, uh, and some job training if they want it. Uh, so there's ways of adding to it. 
And it's almost never, never been convenient to do that. It's, Lord, I don't have time to take that person down there. I, you know, it's a long way, and it's going to take me another hour, and I'm supposed to, you know, I've got all sorts of objections. And he said, I put the guy there, and I put it on your heart that you needed to help him in some way. Why don't you go with him the second mile? Uh, it's, uh, so we've just, a lot of things like that. I don't know whether you've ever had arguments with yourself about those things. <laughs> Self. Uh, but I want to have compassion like Jesus did when he saw the people in need uh, in Matthew 9. Uh, it's his heart to see people that are in great need. And he says, you're to have that same heart that I have for him. Uh, I like what Paul Harvey said one time. He said, Jesus didn't come to say, uh, take the people out of the slums. He t- came to take the slums out of the people. And so we remember that we can do all the building projects and uh, low-cost housing and food uh, uh, distributions and things like this, and that's, some of that's good. But the, the only thing that's going to really turn that life around is Jesus Christ. And uh, we spend some time with the people at uh, Salvation Army and uh, Gospel Rescue Mission there in Tucson, not probably not as much as it should, but it's been fun to see how God has really changed some of these lives. Uh, and it didn't happen right away. One lady that we were at uh, the uh, women's center and she said, you know, this is my third time coming through here. And she said, finally, God got a hold of me and got my attention about what I needed to do. And she had been a CEO of a company five or six years before and she said I got hooked on opioids and uh, she said just blew my life away lost my family <clears throat> the whole nine yards and uh, so it's not always that it happens in a hurry uh, but we need to be patient and continue on uh, with the ways that God wants us to reach out to these people uh, Paul says in uh, Corinthians, he said, For what we preach is not ourself, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' uh, sake. And so, uh, Lord, I, I thought this was about kind of shining the light on me of what a good guy I am. He said, No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, it's for what we preach is not ourselves. We didn't come to you with clever words of wisdom, he says elsewhere, uh, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, goes back to the first thing, the first commandment is to love God and to love his word. So that's, uh, and you know, we're real blessed um, that if you'll turn to Psalm 92 with me, we're We're blessed that being a little older, it was nice to find out that we still had some use in this world. Uh, Psalm 92, starting about verse 12, says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. That's the big date palms, not just that old frilly palm that throws trash all over the ground. 
uh, <laughs> like a, a palm tree. He was grow like a cedar of Lebanon. You remember what they built the, uh, a lot of the uh, temple with? The cedars of Lebanon. It will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So you want to know where, you, where your roots are. If you're planted in the house of the Lord, it shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Ah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> here's, here's a great promise. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall uh, be fresh and flourishing. Uh, I think it's in the old, this is New King James. And I think in the Old King James, it says it'll be uh, green and full of sap. And I said, yeah, a bunch of us are full of sap anyway. <laughs> but so I like the, the other translations a little better. So they'll be flesh, fresh and flourishing. And you know what? Uh, you want to, uh, my mother used to give me switchings with uh, peach tree limbs. And it wasn't a dry peach tree limb. It was a green peach limb. She'd get one like this, and boy, it just just really sting my legs real good. It just made me mad. But uh, And I said, that's like that switch that I got uh, whippings with. Uh, maybe I didn't get enough. But uh, uh, but it was it had to be fresh and green. It had to be bendable. Your life and my life, we need to have some flexibility in our life. We need to be able to move with the wind and uh, and of what's going on around us. We'll say fresh and green. And then the the best thing of this is that to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there's no unrighteousness in him. So you've got a, uh, you're planted in the courts of God. You're fresh and green. You've been told that you're going to bear fruit. But that fruit comes from having a consistent message. The Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Can you say that about the Lord? Uh, that's a good one to memorize and say, I want to know that every day. That that's, that's who I worship. That's who lives in me. Uh, and that's what I can tell others to put their faith and trust in. Uh, Cynthia and I for years have read through uh, Oswald Chambers. And I was reading a little bit about uh, making disciples uh, in Oswald. Uh, he usually kind of pierces me with a... Uh, with a big sword every once in a while. But in this case, it's pretty, and he says, you cannot make disciples unless you are a disciple. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so we were talking about the characteristic of a disciple, one who has a love for God, who has a love for the believers, and who uh, has a love and a heart for the world. And unless you're a disciple, you're sitting at his feet and learning from him, uh, you can't be a, a disciple. Uh, the disciples came back from all their uh, going out two by two, and boy, they came back rejoicing that the demons were subject to him and stuff. And and Jesus essentially said, "Don't rejoice in successful service. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life, that you're uh, called by God." Um, and then Oswald Chambers says, "The one." One purpose is to disciple men and women to Jesus, not to my own way of thinking, but to Jesus. 
And so that the only way we can do that is that we have a knowledge of this word. We have a trust in this word. We believe it's true in all of it, uh, its entirety. The world is out here telling you, ah, you can't trust this thing. You know, that's just partly myths. I'm, <laughs> I meet with a guy that's a little older than I am, and he is one smart guy, cookie. But he says, I'll sometimes walk into the coffee shop, and he said, you still carrying around those myths? Because I'll have my Bible with me. And I said, yeah, i got a whole book of them right here. <laughs> and I said, but you ought to read them sometime. Uh, and so we just go back and forth on this. But that's his view of what the Bible is. And so it would be easy because he's, he's got some arguments that sound very reasonable. But I know they're not true. Because I know they're not true because I've studied this myself, for myself. And so you need to have a solid knowledge of the Word of God uh, so that you can pass. Uh, I, I frequently ask leadership in churches, uh, who are you telling about Jesus? Have you told anybody in the last week? And I'm telling you, I'm real encouraged with Steve and Ambika because they're out here talking to people all the time. And I can tell you, I talk to elders and deacons and pastors that have not told anybody about the good news of Jesus Christ. These are in good Bible churches that they haven't talked to anybody in six months to a year. And it just breaks my heart to hear that. Uh, and so it takes giving your life to someone else because that's what you do. You impart your life to somebody that you're discipling. And uh, I'll leave you one other thought says, if you're not talking to God about people, you're not talking to people about God. So just think about that and say, Lord, how am I doing this week? Let me, let me be bold enough to tell people about Jesus Christ and uh, him crucified. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Steve and Ambika, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share your pulpit. Lord, thank you for the wonder that you are. Thank you that you've loved us this much to give us this place, that you're our rock, our redeemer, and there is no unrighteousness in you. Thank you again for reminding us of that. In Jesus' name, amen.